Welcome to Talking Tuesday. I am your host, Fancy Quant, and today I'm going to talk a little bit about dealing with conflict. So we had an episode here a little bit back. I don't want to say an episode. Uh, a YouTube video exclusively, so not a podcast episode. Uh, discussing what to do in a dire situation where a subscriber wrote in explaining uh, they're a junior employee. They just kind of got into the industry. They're working in model validation. And they had some ethical concerns on how things were being done. And so I made a video response on how to deal with that. And I talked a little bit about, you know, trying to phrase things in question format so that you can kind of get a better understanding. You're not accusing the person of issues and then seeing how they kind of react. And if you get just really bad responses, you just kind of have to let it slide um, if it's something that's not a big deal, you know, easy to let it slide. If it's something that's a big, big deal, you can try pushing back, but often it's kind of a career suicide effort and really challenging to cope with. And so often when things are actually really serious, uh, I recommend if you don't think you can make the situation any better, um, just looking for a new job. And so one of my longtime subscribers here so I know this because they have little, I used to know the name, they changed their name. I think on here, the tag got updated in the last couple of days. Uh, but now there's Central Origin, according to their comments now with their updated tag name. Uh, they also have this little purple heart, which means I have hearted in a lot of their comments. Uh, and the little red thing tells me they're a subscriber, which is awesome. So if you're on the podcast, you can't see this. But on YouTube, it gives me all this information uh, so I know who's commenting and how they participate in the channel. Uh, but they commented, you know, I've been in similar dire situations and thought there would be a more complex solution for a serious situation. But I guess the best option really is to just jump ship and run when the situation is that bad. Good to know that's the correct decision. So I wanted to take this apart a little bit just because I don't, I like the response, but it's very cut and dry. And I wanted to talk a little bit about why the advice comes out the way that I give it. And perhaps I come off as too simplistic as well. So yes, often it is best just to jump ship and run. And it comes down to... I guess when you deal with a lot of people over the years, uh, you start to realize people aren't inherently good. And I know this is kind of shocking and, you know, people argue with you and they're mad about this when you make statements like this. But I've noticed when people get backed into a corner or they get accused of something, even if it is something somewhat minor, um, often they will fight viciously to not be wrong, especially in the banking community. Uh, but in life in general, because it doesn't look good to be wrong. And so instead of just saying, hey, I screwed up and I should have done this better, um, they will fight you tooth and nail to be correct, right? It doesn't matter who's actually correct. It just matters that they win this argument and that they aren't seen as incorrect. Um, so let's go do a few examples here with this as well. Um Model validation is essentially like the worst job, and yet it was my most enjoyable job uh, in my quantitative career. And what model validation does is you are stuck between the model developers and the regulators. So model developers spend months building models. They submit them to model validation, who takes months to review them. And they look for things like statistical correctness, uh, biases within the models, regulatory compliance, and basically the whole model development process from data cleaning, processing, model fitting, uh, model performance, assessment, assumption testing, and a bunch of other stuff that we deem appropriate to look at. So there's a general cookie cutter framework. 
validation can look at basically anything under the sun, which is how it should be because the purpose of a model validation team uh, is to prevent uh, bad models or bad actors, so those developing the models, um, from doing things that will harm the firm. So it's often called model risk management because you're managing the risks associated with these models. Now, you're the bad guy. You're the cop. You come in and say, you can't go over the speed limit. You know, you can't break these assumptions. Uh, you can't do this with the data, things like that. Uh, now, the issue with validation, why it's a challenging job is you're stuck with regulators on the other side and regulators hold you accountable and they look at the work that you have done as well as what the developer has done and they want to check to see that you did your job. So a validator is sandwiched in the middle of this catastrophe here uh, where you can't let things slide often because you have development, you know, it'd be nice to let it slide and just make friends in peace and move on, which we often do, but you also have regulators on the other side of you. So you have to balance doing the right thing with, you know, perhaps just building better relationships to make it a little smoother at work with development. And through my career, a lot of this contention goes back and forth between these sorts of departments. And it's challenging because like, you just want people to do the right thing. And even when something extremely small, I don't know, it should not be that big of a deal comes up. Like, as an example here, uh, you'll have a model that is way overfitted. Like, not even, we had a model, for example, that had like around 100 variables in it. So for those of you that don't know in the quant finance realm here and the credit space specifically, uh, we target between 20 and 30 variables in a model because it is explainable and they have statistical significance and they are meaningful. So they're not these nuanced, you know, little tweaks that are adding slight increase in accuracy, which is what specific developers aim for. And they pride themselves on that. But the issue is, is that these little nuanced variables, A, aren't going to provide much value in the future. And if they do blow up because they're unreliable variables, they could negatively impact the model's predictions. So you don't want to just increase the accuracy by a very, very, very slight amount uh, with this massive risk that the model is going to blow up and have bad predictions. Um, and why this is important, talk about models blowing up here, uh, you have loans piling through the door. So imagine this as a pricing model. When these loans are coming through the door, if the model blows up, you have no way to price these loans. And so you either have to turn down all of your business and shut the entire you know, portfolio down. So if you're making, let's say mortgages, for example, or credit cards or something, you have to stop all transactions. You cannot take in any more new customers or loans because you have no idea what is good and what is bad when a model blows up. So it's pretty important that you don't screw this up. And so anyways, this model was built. Um, it had way too many variables on it. Uh, we went back as validation. So validation teams get a really bad rap because there are many people in validation. They like to point the finger and say, hey, you screwed up. So an example here of the conflict, and they never provide a potential solution. Well, my team's a little more well-developed than that, and we have responsible quants and adults. And so we provide a recommendation with an example, and then we hide parts of that so you can't see the final solution. The reason for this, though, now you're kind of asking, like, Dimitri, that sounds kind of mean. Uh, regulators do not want validation doing the model development work because then who's going to validate us, right? It shouldn't be the responsibility of the regulators. So what we do is we refit the model. I don't tell them all the variables that go into that model. I just tell them there is 30 variables or 26 or whatever there was. And I show them that the accuracy of the model is nearly the same. It is, of course, slightly less. 
And, you know, you just need to go back and trim out a lot of these nonsensical variables. And I gave an example on exactly how to do that statistically. And we were met with like, the world was ending. We are not going to change anything because we are model development. And it's just so hard to deal with this. And it's, it's when I go back to people are just bad people. Uh, there's a lot of just really crappy people out there and it's unfortunate. And I get their situation where they spent three plus months uh, building this. So it's three months of your time and effort and then me saying it's complete garbage. But in this scenario, it's not even complete garbage. It's just a quick fix. Like just go back and trim back the things you don't need. Like this shouldn't take more than a week. And it's a simple solution here. So these are the little nuanced things of like, or an example here of how people just dig in. And it's not just a example I have, it's literally every single time. And there's very specific people as you work in the industry and in life in general, and you find out they just like to complain. They just like to be right all the time and they don't wanna work with anybody else. And unfortunately that puts them in a bad situation. Now, there's a little bit of layering also that goes into these scenarios here where you would assume, so this is the problem with, you know, as this individual pointed out here in the question, you know, the, they assumed, you know, there would probably be a more complex solution. And often there probably is a more complex solution given the assumption that everybody outside of the two people in the conflict uh, are going to be responsible ethical adults. And the reality is that's not how the world works also, which is kind of a struggle in itself. And what I mean by this is when you start getting into institutions, especially banks, uh, there are many, many layers that go through this process. So, I mean, our teams were considered fairly flat and we had, I think one, we had a bunch of, we had like three, four layers that reported into what's considered an associate director at one of the firms, uh, which is kind of like a team manager. And then the associate directors report into directors or managing directors, which is two more layers. And then managing directors report into heads of departments. And then heads of departments report into different CEOs or chief risk officers or whatever executive you fall into here. And you think, right, you would think, okay, there's a conflict between a validator, which would be like on the bottom, and a model developer who's also somewhat on the bottom. And that their managers, like an associate director, would just waltz in. They would review this, look at the facts, come up with a quick solution and move on. But what ends up happening is that now you start fighting actually higher level levels of politics that goes through these organizations. And so what ends up happening is then you say, okay, screw it. Um, I'm going to file the complaint with my manager. And then you find out your manager either doesn't care or they say, Dimitri, this isn't worth the fight. And you're like, no, this is, this is like a critical issue. This is an ethical concern. Uh, it could be mispricing specific people. It could be breaking laws. It could be something massively critical or it could be something extremely small as we talked about before. And yet, often there are politics into the fact that, you know, now you start having relationships between all the different associate directors, directors, managing directors, and executives. And you start to find out that, well, turns out the head of this department can't stand the head of this department or this person doesn't get along with their boss who is one of the executives. And then what ends up happening is they don't want to file these complaints and escalate them because in their mind, it's not, put air quotes here, it's not that big of a deal. It's easier to roll over. Uh, it is also far easier to squash these issues and just ignore them as a manager because, you know, why deal with this more complex solution that's probably a better solution, right? Why go through the dialogue? Why bring in the different parties? Uh, why bring in an expert 
So if it's a statistical thing, uh, there's a right and wrong answer. If it is a moral dilemma, um, it might not be as black and white. But again, you have to bring in, again, other parties to come in and judge this sort of you know, complex solution. And so when managers think about this, they often don't want to go down the rabbit hole of bringing in all these extra parties. And so I've seen situations where essentially it's like um, somebody does not get along with their boss or the other department and there's already conflict and strife between them. And so to avoid the conflict and strife, uh, they just don't address these sorts of issues. And so when you're on the bottom of these, a lot of times in your mind, it's a simple solution. This is right and this is wrong. And perhaps that's really how it is. Um, But the issue with that is that the politics, the layering, these other things start to make this more and more complex here. Uh, So it just gets dicier. And yes, I know it sounds horrible in this statement when I basically say, you know, just jump ship and run, um, as this individual kind of points out here. But often you start getting tied into this career-wise too, which then is more frustrating. So money drives a lot of the decisions as well. So when somebody looks at a problem, let's say it's not a simple fix. Let's, Let's say it's not a week. They have to redevelop an entire model, which could take three months, maybe six months, maybe 12 months. And I've seen a 12-month model fail. And there's a whole lot of crying from everybody. Um, <laughs> there was a few firings too. But when these things occur, it's guys, it's not pretty. It's a lot of time and a lot of money that's wasted when these sorts of situations occur. And it's just, it's hard to get to the bottom of what's really going on, what the real problems are, and why they need to be fixed. And often people are then starting to be concerned for their job, as I've kind of mentioned here in this example or past experience I've had. Uh, Someone might be fired or multiple people might be fired, which I've seen as well, where it's like a cascading effect of layers of people being removed. And again, there's a lot of politics being played behind the scenes, which a lot of junior quants, for example, uh, they don't see all these things going on. They don't see the combativeness. They don't see the arguments and the battling going between uh, managing directors for position, for title, for power, um, for promotions, for example, for budget. So I've had, you know, see managing directors that are able to swing bigger bonuses for employees because they can justify it a little bit more. But again, there are politics and arguments and discussions that go into these sort of, you know, final conclusions here. And then also you have to start thinking about this from the perspective of how does this shake the firm? How does this make changes? How does this make corrections? So let's say, obviously, most of these problems, for example, when you start getting into the ethical and moral concerns, often aren't at the bottom levels. They're actually coming from the top. So you might have a CRO or a head of validation or a head of development in the quant space here. Uh, and they are the ones that are essentially mandating or knowing knowingly making this or, you know, willingfully, willingful blindness, for example, turning away and looking at the other way, um, but actually encouraging bad behavior just based off the fact that's how they want to do it. There's more money in it for the firm, for example. I mean, Wells Fargo is probably a great example of just catastrophes left and right going on within them. And I know they're well ran in some areas, so it's not like every employee there is bad, but you know, they've had issues, for example, with how they've done customers, how they've done incentives for employees, uh, and that's led to fraud, which was issues in the past. Uh, But often these things start coming from the top down. So when you're on the bottom and you think like this is right and this is wrong, and clearly that's 
that's what it is. Um, you can't just complain to your boss and then think it's going to get resolved because your boss might know that it's coming from higher up above. And so now they don't want to be the ones with their head on the chopping block. And so they're not willing to fight it for you. And so I think that's why the advice, though, it seems quite terrible to just jump ship and run when these situations occur. Um, you know, it's often the smartest thing to do. You don't muddy up your reputation as well, which follows you through an entire career and it makes it easier to find work in the future. Um, but at the same time, uh, you, you know, there might be times when you have to stand up and fight for what you believe in, or you have to stand up and do the right thing because realistically from an ethical standpoint, if you don't do it, probably no one else will. So picking the cross to die on here is a challenging, challenging thing to do. And I've had good instances in my career where things were done wrong and they would have had significant negative impact usually on the modeling side. So issues with statistics and math and all that. Um, and I've stood there and I've fought these and I have thrown massive tantrums and arguments and brought in textbooks and papers, like just demanding that my points be heard. And often these fall on deaf ears. Um, and I've even pushed complaints, wanting executives to basically get involved or wanting them to make decisions, which I know they didn't want to make because I knew a lot of this was stemming from them. Uh, but again, being in those situations, there are pros and cons. People might think that you are great, right? It's great. To, people have said, you know, Dimitri, I really respect you because when something goes wrong, you stand up and you say something and you make a big deal about it. But there are also people that absolutely hate me for that and think that I just whine and complain because I'm making a big deal out of something and that I should just roll over and just go with the flow. And so, you know, these are the things you have to really consider when you're doing these. And often in many situations, um, you just leave. It's easier just to leave. You don't need to fight it. You don't need to deal with the nonsense. And often that conflict, when it goes south and it doesn't really get resolved properly, uh, this complex solution that should have been handled is too much effort, too much work, doesn't happen. It blows up and then you get stuck working somewhere with now basically everyone hating you because they don't want to be put in that position and you put them in a bad position as it got escalated, for example. And so it just gets dicier and dicier and so while, you know, fighting or running are the two options we have in nature, uh, running is often a better solution as it saves face. Uh, you can regroup and you can find a better opportunity for yourself, at least in a career's perspective here. So anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And as always, until next time.